Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon and Stuart Pearce looked at two English talents that will now ply their trade in Germany with Eric Dyer heading off to Bayern Munich and Jadon Sancho ending up at Borussia Dortmund. Meanwhile, a split Premier League match week sees just five matches this weekend, but there certainly are some crackers in there. Amongst those is Newcastle hosting champions Manchester City. Before the game, we were joined by manager Eddie Howe. What did he make of reports today that his squad may need to make some cuts before making more signings this summer? Mr Pierce, it's been some time. Happy New Year and we're halfway through January. I know, it's been too long by the way, but it, has. it, it always gives me a spring in my step to come in here and work with you two, I must say that. Well, and, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, It's it does. It's Where's very good to hear Percy? that. Huh? Where did that come from? Is this some sort it of might, New Year resolution? It, it might well be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it might well be. No, I, I enjoy your work. Nice to see you, mate, anyway. Yeah, it's good to see you. Lovely to see you, Stuart Pierce, in our midst all the way through until one o'clock. Um, Simon, we will talk about Newcastle in a moment, but yeah. I would have thought, after what Darren Neils, the chief exec, said yesterday, it's no, it's no great surprise to you. That, and we'll talk about this shortly, but j- just for the moment... For them to be talking in the summer, but maybe, maybe selling on one of the more prominent names, uh, he, he he then explains why they have to do it. This is no surprise to you, and it won't come as any surprise to, to, to I, us in the media, I, but, or should it? But I don't think it's right. I, I think that what he's saying is just a smokescreen for where they realistically are. Right. I, I know what their losses are. Their losses are about £150 million over a three-year cycle. But they've got about £60, £70 million worth of allowable adjustments. Yeah. So they're still inside the financial fair play parameters, irrespective of posting 12 million loss in 2021, 72 million loss in 2022, and 73 million loss in 2023. Yeah. But you've also got COVID losses in the first year. You've also got allowable adjustments for infrastructure. They'll be still inside financial fair play. And every football club, irrespective of who they are, 
has to move their players around sure, and recycle. Sure. So okay. it's no different. Uh, in about 10, 15 minutes, we'll hear more from Darren Neils. Uh, he was speaking about the implications of FFP, not just to Newcastle, but to, to, to every club as well. And just before we came on air, um, I sat down with Eddie Howe and on Zoom we did an exclusive one-to-one. So you're going to hear from Eddie, chapter and verse this morning. Um, Stuart, you know Sven Joranex, and I'm pretty sure you do, um, from your time at Manchester City, of course. Yep. Um, this news about Sven um, fighting terminal cancer, maybe having a year to live, mm. must have come as a major shock to you as it did to everybody. Yeah, it certainly did. Uh, as I say, he's always looked very, very healthy. And uh, in, in, in his statement earlier, he said he was out running when, when you know, he had this sort of turn as such. But listen, I think everyone who's come across Sven... Uh, Irrelevant of his footballing ability, which has been very good as a manager. It, if you come across him and meet him, he's such a warm, loving man. He, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's, it's a real blow. It was a big shock. He took over from me at Manchester City as manager. But subsequently, I went in and watched training and spent time with him. And uh, I thought I was going to join him at one stage at Sampdoria in the early 90s. But um, listen, we, we wish him well. We wish him well. Uh, this is Sven briefly on breakfast this morning. Yeah, it is. Thank you, anyhow, Alan. But uh, you have to accept it. It, it. it is what it is and uh, try to live with it as well as you can. Yeah, I mean, um, Simon, you weren't quite in that in that area, mate, when you get the news you got earlier in no, the year, but no. uh, earlier last year. Yeah. But um, as, you, as you said at the time to me, going to get through this, going to power through it. Yeah, I mean, this is a different end of the scale, tragically. Um, and uh, people that I've known have had this, so I, I, you know, it's a very, very difficult diagnosis and a very troublesome one. Um, he, you know, he is seventy-five years of age, so it's not as if he's a young man. Um, but notwithstanding that, no one wants to get these sort of diagnoses. Um, you know, I, I met him on a couple of occasions. I met Atoll Still, who was his agent for a period of time. Yeah. Um, and he was an interesting character. Um, he presided over an in- interesting time in English football. I'm not entirely sure he always covered himself in glory with some of his off-field antics and, and some of the decisions he made to get involved with teams like Notts County when they were going through a change of potential ownership and, and Ponzi schemes. But he was also an innovator and he was a character and he took England into decent spaces at decent times and nobody wants to see anybody whatsoever being given this sort of diagnosis. So again, what can you say? You can only say that I hope that the very best... Uh, scenarios can manifest himself for him. Absolutely, we wish him well. Uh, no doubt, we will we will uh, monitor Sven's progress in the coming twelve months. But we wish him well because, as you rightly said, uh, sure, he's a good man, very kind man, very, uh, very decent man. Um, <clears throat> there are a few raised eyebrows, Stuart, yesterday when the news started filtering through. Eric Dyer is indeed joining Bayern Munich, and uh, to that very end, he's, he's over in Germany right now and is about to do it. He has done. He's joined Bayern from Tottenham and had a goodbye message to Tottenham fans. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone um, associated uh, with Tottenham. It's been a hell of a journey. Uh, the The way I was received from the, from the moment I came has been has been incredible. The one thing that always stuck out stood out to me was where you, everywhere you go in the world, there seems to be so many Tottenham fans, and it always seemed to amaze me. So I just want to say a thank, big, big thank you to all of you for for the support that you have shown me. I hope you can experience great success with the club moving forward. Um, I'll be watching and supporting, and 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 hoping for the same. 
and um, I hope to see you all soon. I'm extremely grateful, uh, extremely, extremely grateful to have to have had these these nine and a half years, and um, Tottenham has been a part of my life for, and my family's life for for so long, and and wherever will forever hold a special place in my heart. Stuart, I think yesterday, Simon, am I right? You described this as good business. I think Tottenham's moved on. I think he's not part of their plan. So in able to in order to get him out without necessarily getting him out for nothing. Three and a half million pounds is not going to set anybody's world on fire, is it, in the scale of opportunities in football? Yeah. But it makes sense. He's not part of Ange Postacoglu's plans. That's not because the person is, that doesn't have a good character and he isn't a good player. It's just that Tottenham have moved on. He was very effective at a time when Pochettino was in his pomp and they were in their pomp and he was a powerful force inside the Tottenham side. But he doesn't have the same attributes that are required for the next evolution of Tottenham Hotspur, which is the Ange Postacoglu evolution. Yeah, yeah. So, and he's very, very fortunate and perhaps deserves his fortune to go to such a huge opportunity as Bayern Munich. Well, I mean, Stuart, Christian Romero and Mickey van der Ven both suffered injuries this season. Ange's played Ben Davis, Emerson Royal in central defence in recent weeks. Mm. I mean, the writing was on the wall for Eric, wasn't it? It certainly was. When you get full-backs playing in your position, you know straight away. But the one thing I would say uh, is... Nine and a half years' service at Tottenham. I think he's done extremely well. He's had a decent England international career as well. And what a move for him. I think it's a win-win for both club and player. I really do. And and sometimes it happened to me at the back end of my career when I left Forest. I needed another challenge to excite me. I went to Newcastle. Going to Bayern Munich, if that doesn't excite him, and you can't help thinking that that the likes of Kane has put a good word in for him and that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's good to see that foreign teams are signing English players. How old players. were you when you, moved, when you made that move from Forest to Newcastle? 35. He's 29. Yeah. So, so he's still, yeah. comparatively, you would think he's at a stage in his career where he's just probably at his peak in t- or just on the other side of perhaps his peak. Yeah. But still, at 29 years of age, we look at players in this day and age, certainly Harry Kane moves to Bayern Munich for 100 yeah. million quid for 29, at 29 yeah. years of age. Yeah. It's interesting that he isn't someone that's particularly sought after in English football and isn't valued by Tottenham at all. And he's not... He's not Past his sell by date, or shouldn't be. No, it's a good point, at. Simon. At twenty nine, twenty nine was my prime, Jim. That was my best season ever say, in yeah. the game. And I, I always look at players and think twenty eight, twenty nine, maybe twenty seven. That should be their prime. But what is this telling us, Stuart? What What is Tuchel seeing that Ange doesn't? Um, well, you're signing a player that's got good character. That's the one thing the kid has got, and he's got a reputation of having that, both at international level and at club level. He's, he's played abroad before, because I think he come from Portugal. I think yes, they signed yeah. him from Portugal. So yeah. he knows what it's like to to live. So the settling in period, I don't think will be a problem to him. You're getting a player in his prime, age-wise, give or take, uh, a minimal money. I, mean, mm. I think it's a win-win for everybody. I really do. And the the one thing, Tottenham play in a specialised way. And they the way they play, hard press, high press, you have to defend two on two. Yeah. And, and if he thinks, well, I'm not sure he can actually do that, and they'll see more of that on the training pitch, then you move him on and get other people in who you think can. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Let's concentrate on Newcastle for the moment and what has been said about matters off the field because, Simon, you're right across it. Of course you are. Newcastle have been warning that they would have to sell players they would rather not lose in order to fund further investment to improve the quality of the squad. Um, in, in, in as much as, Simon, they're looking at the summer 
and the possibility of selling either an academy graduate such as Sean Longstaff yeah. or Elliot Anderson or it's been reported one of the so-called quotes crown jewels maybe Isak maybe Bruno maybe Botman that's how it's being interpreted. Mm. That Daniel spoke yesterday about the situation regarding FFP, not just with Newcastle, but with all the clubs. And of course, for those who don't know, Newcastle have increased their revenue for 2023 from 180 million to 250 million quid. Um, but basically, the message is from Eels, FFP is very much keeping their spending at that football club very much in check. We had the increase in the revenues. Obviously, I spoke about the increase in player amortisation, which is in effect the investment in the squad. So, you know, as you invest more in your team, you have to account for that under the financial fair play regulations. So it is a balancing act. And I think, you know, we've always spoken about this with the ownership that we have. They're committed to spending the maximum we can under the regulations, but we have to meet the regulations. We've seen, obviously, in a recent case with Everton, that PSR certainly has teeth to it. So it's something that we've always been cognizant of. We've always been thinking about this as a project. It's not a straight line from A to B. We're going to have ups and downs because that's football. But we think about everything from that medium to long term plan. And I think as we grow the revenues, that gives us that capability to, to be able to invest more into the squad. But I think the other angle of it, and I spoke about this is, and sometimes it's a little bit counterintuitive, but when you can trade players, sometimes the trading players creates the headroom. And just to give a real sort of basic example, if we have a player that's worth 50 million profit, if we were to move him, if we move that player and bring in a player on the same wages at 50 million, so like for like, we amortise that player over five years, it's only a 10 million hit. So the net value of that is you create 40 million of headroom. And I think sometimes that's sort of counterintuitive, that that moving of players sometimes is enough to create some more headspace. So a player or some players may have to go out, but yeah. others will come in. And we're not talking about January, we're talking about the summer. Mm -hmm. So, Sammy, we're going to get, you're taking this now. In fact, after half 10, I brought this up with Eddie Howe just before we came on air. Mm -hmm. And you'll get Eddie Howe breaking it down for us. A bit more than layman's type language, which uh, helps me, no doubt you, Stuart, and others listening this morning. But, Simon, is it right to say here that Newcastle believe the Premier League spending rules are preventing them from breaking up the top six. And the reason I ask you that is that many people are now messaging in, and I'll pick one at random. There's one. I don't see a name in it. Morning, guys. I do not like FFP. Trust me, I have no love lost for Newcastle United. But is it not the case the established clubs have built themselves up prior to FFP coming in? So clubs like Newcastle, Tottenham, Everton have no real chance of catching up with the ones who have been in the FFP camp and observing it from the word go. But that's the, always the argument that's levelled, and the argument is levelled that ultimately it protects the cartel. That wasn't its purpose in the first place. It was to increase the sustainability of football so it's not determined by the individual whims and outcomes of people that run businesses that either run out of money or have different agendas, right? So that right. was their purpose. So what you are saying in layman's terms... So what, 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 what Darren is saying in layman's terms is, of course Newcastle are caught in the same way that Manchester City are caught. Chelsea had a free-for-all, right? Jack Walker had a free-for-all. Uh, in terms of there's no governance. And each and as the years have gone on, the sophistication has become more succinct and ultimately the governance has become more, diff become more strident. So Newcastle have 
First of all, they've increased their revenues. So this season's revenues will be significantly greater than last season's revenues because they've got in the Champions League. So if their turnover was, what, 250 million last season? Yes. Right? Then yeah. their turnover will be 300 odd million this season. So they've already created some more headroom in this season's finances. They've produced the accounts that they have to produce now very quickly because the rules have changed and the, and the industry's getting more sophisticated in managing outcomes so that people can get consequence quickly and not have unlike some clubs, years and years where they don't have to answer anything to it. Yes. So the bottom line is, is Newcastle have spent heavily at a time, and let's also be clear, we were told last summer that Newcastle wouldn't be spending in any shape or form of, of any great significance. They spent 150 million quid. So they still spent. Now, some of this is about protecting the position that the media positions Newcastle as, as the world's richest club. They're not the world's richest club. They have the world's richest owners. How they can deploy that into the football club gives them an opportunity so, to build. I'm with you. So more than 400 million has been spent on players since the Saudi takeover. Is it that much? I thought it was 300. But, but further yeah. investment could rest upon selling a key asset one would presume, to free up But that's an assumption. Funds. But that's an assumption. Is that's, that the wrong assumption? That, well, that's an assumption. Because if Newcastle's agenda is to build, to get to eclipse the top teams and to compete with the top teams, they're hardly going to sell their best players. They're going to do what Chelsea have done, which is look at assets that potentially aren't going to take you to the promised land but do carry some intrinsic value to the football club and to other football clubs. And they're going to, like academy players, like Chelsea have done with Mason Mount, like they might do with um, Shalabar, like they might do with other players. So they might do mix. that with Longstaff, as I mentioned earlier. And possibly that's the so, answer. So you're saying this morning, no, Newcastle fans relax, because they of won't course. end up se selling Isak, Bruno or Botman. I doubt it. And if they're going to sell Isak, Bruno, uh, Bruno or Botman, it's because they're going to get such a ridiculous offer in the same way that Manchester City sold Leroy Sane or they sold other players at certain times. Now, I do concur that it's become more difficult because of the timing. It was more difficult for Man City than it was for Chelsea. And so it's absolutely become more difficult for Newcastle. And I do actually advocate for a slight dispensation on new ownership models, as I wrote about the other day, saying they should have uh, an increased opportunity to be able to invest for a period of time and then fall in line. But that's yeah. not the current rules. Yeah. I do not see in any shape or form that Darren Eels is suggesting, besides a leap on it by the media, that they're going to sell their best players. Because that would be a false errand. Because they're after increasing their revenue. And the only way they can increase their revenue is by performances on the pitch. Sure. So they've got that performance on the pitch. They've got an extra 50 million quid near on out of the Champions League this year. So they're already into the 300, 320 million pound bracket. So they fixed that problem. As far as the losses are concerned, I guarantee you they will have between 50 and 60 million worth of allowable adjustments, which will take them underneath the financial fair play that looks like they're already breaching for the last three years' accounts. I understand. We're going to hear from Eddie Howe on this matter very shortly. Stuart, what's your take on it? Because I know, like me, you're across it to an extent. Not like this fella. No, but you're across it. No, you get he'll, it. He'll see the financial side of it. I'll see what are the implications for the manager. So what I would say is, from what I can hear, the, the messages from, from Darren Eels and Eddie Howe, is that it's, they've put it out there to the fans. That's what you've got to do. Explain to the fans exactly the situation financially of the football club as best you can. Yeah. And then we talk about expectation of this football club. And what is the implications of expectation on Eddie Howe as a manager and from there I think clubs are always looking to chop and change has this if they're looking to to be very competitive in the Champions League has this campaign in the Champions League shown the manager and the coaching staff we need to get better 
a better group of players sure. than we've got right. if we're really going to be competitive so in the Champions we, League. We are going to get Eddie Howe's take on that aspect of where Newcastle are regarding FFP. And you'll hear from Eddie Howe the other side of the 10.30 bulletin. But Simon, if I pick one headline out this morning, say in the back of the right, here's the Times, Newcastle may have to offload stars. May. And Newcastle may get rid of their manager at the end of the season if he doesn't get them up the table. May. But that the headline is because Newcastle have announced their figures. <gasps> Newcastle, their audited account show they've lost £155 million over three years. Now, that doesn't actually paint the true picture because behind that are a raft of allowable adjustments like infrastructure costs, the losses in COVID, and a variety of other things. And I look at those and think they're going to be £60 million quid. That article doesn't feature that detail because right. it doesn't choose to. Well, Newcastle fans and fans of other clubs... Um, Eddie Howe puts his view, and Stuart Pearce is right. How does the manager feel about it? You'll hear how Eddie Howe feels about FFP and what may or, or may not happen as a result of it come this summer in an extended chat after this. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. I mentioned Eddie Howe, and all thanks to Newcastle United partners and our very own friends, Bet MGM. I got access to Eddie just before we came on air this morning for an exclusive one-to-one for this show. And we're thrilled about that. And thanks, BetMGM. And if Eddie Howe is anything to go by, Premier League managers start their days pretty damned early uh, right now. Eddie was at the training ground while most of us were still sleeping. I was in about 6.30 this morning. I did a workout, although if you saw the intensity of my workout, you'd question whether it actually qualifies as that. But uh, I try and do something every day if I can. Well done, you. The Derby Day win uh, against Sunderland. How important was that for confidence in your in your place? Yeah, it's an important uh, result and performance. I thought we were good in both, um, both parts. Uh, very good atmosphere. Really enjoyed the experience. Um, of course, it helps when you win and it's a, a positive day, but I think we needed it. Eddie, before the Sunderland win, it was just one win in eight. Were you beginning to get concerned? 
I think you're always concerned, Jim, in this job when you're not winning on a regular basis. Um, but I think we back the quality of the players, we back the quality of our work. And I always believe in time you'll get the results that you crave if you keep being consistent with what you do. For a moment, let's concentrate on this January window. Um, what can fans expect? What can you tell them through us this morning? Ooh, um, well, I think like, like like every window, we're we're looking for uh, opportunities to make the squad better, first and foremost. Um, this will be a challenging window for us because financial fair play is active and it has been active in our thought processes probably for the last two, three windows. Um, and we'll continue to try and make the best decisions for the short and long-term future of the football club. Anything imminent? Any incomings imminent? No, nothing as we speak, Jim, no. Eddie, the chief executive, Darren Neils, said yesterday, it, to a degree, tempered expectations in the market and, and then looked ahead to the summer and said some of your top talent might have to be sold in order for you to, to recruit. Did you know that was coming? Yeah, I knew that um, Darren was um, going to speak to the media regarding our financial situation because our accounts were released yesterday. I don't think there's any surprise in that, Jim, because every football club will have to trade now with financial fair play being such a prominent part of football. So selling players and trading is part of uh, what every football club's going to have to do. and We're no different. So um, whether it's our top players, as you quote, th that remains to be seen. But um, selling players and trading will be part of football going forward now, I think. So is it a case that if you have to, and I'll just pull the odd name uh, out at random, if you had to say goodbye to Isak or Bruno or Botman, uh, that would only happen in your efforts to replace one of those with a similar big name. Would I be right? Yeah, it's difficult to to sort of comment on individual players. But as I said, like player trading, if you look at Manchester City, Arsenal, et cetera, et cetera, they've all traded players not necessarily between each other, but they've all traded players um, in recent windows. We, we've done that to an extent with Alan St. Maximum, a player we didn't want to sell, um, but we had to um, last summer. And that will continue to be the case, as I say. And that get, then gives you the opportunity to keep things fresh and recruit players the other way. So Newcastle United fans this morning shouldn't be too perplexed that one of the big names may go come the summer. <laughs> um, Look, uh, my intention, Jim, is to improve the squad, not weaken the squad in, in every window. And I will do everything in my power to to try and make sure that we're progressive, ambitious um, and continuing to try and improve. But in the background, of course, the financial people of the football club have got to make sure that we don't breach financial fair play. That That's imperative now, especially with what's happened to Everton. So I think that will be in every football club's mind. Fabian Schaar has been hugely impressive and he signed a new deal. Is keeping who you have, Eddie, as important as who you get in? Yeah, I, I, related to what you said earlier, that is absolutely the case. Um, Fabian's been a huge part of what we've done in the last two years. I think he's been outstanding. Uh, and been keeping your best players is going to be a, a challenge. Um, but that's what we want to do. And then we want to bring in good players alongside them and continue to um, compete at what is such a, a very... Uh, tough league so it's a really delicate balance for, for us and we're trying to get the, the right decisions I noticed you, you've had to play 12 games in 42 days that equates to a game every 3.5 days Eddie how's that impacted on you? 
Well, we went into December knowing that the month was going to be um, a game near enough every three days, as you say. And unfortunately, we went into that month with a depleted squad with a lot of injuries. And that was always going to be very, very difficult for us to navigate through that period. I think we started the month really well. We struggled towards the end, probably to be expected with our dynamic at that moment. Now we've come out in January was a lot uh, calmer in terms of games. And we're desperate to get a few players back. I'm not sure how many we get back towards the end of the month, but certainly February might look a bit better for us. What kind of plans do you have for what's termed a winter break? I mean, Sean Dyche has suggested it's not really worth having. Well, with the FA Cup game in there now, it's certainly a little bit shorter for us. I think we have no plans to take the team away. We will give the players a little bit of time away with their families. And then we'll come back together and start our training for, for Fulham and then Aston Villa. Eddie, against City, and of course, your thoughts are on Manchester City this weekend. You had an epic 3-3 draw with City uh, at your place last season, and you followed that up with a win over them in the Carabao Cup in September. Is it fair to say, come City, Eddie, Newcastle have no fear factor going into it? Look, we fully respect Manchester City. They've been the, the best team in the Premier League when you consider probably the last uh, five years. I think they've been incredible, probably even longer. They've got, for me, the best manager in world football. Um, but we we don't fear anybody, Jim. And I think that's always been our mantra since we've been here the last two years. We try and attack the game and take the game to the opposition. Uh, and we try to do our thing while acknowledging what they do at the same time. But And that's how we approach this game. Eddie, I know you well, and you're nothing if not a realist. And you'll know that if results go against you in the next few days, you, you could end up 14 points off the top four. There's a lot to do, but you're aware of that. Yeah, there's a lot to do to to get into the top four. Um, we're well aware that we need to go on a, a really good run, um, bring back our best confidence levels, our best performances. I, I do believe that we're capable of doing that, but we can't leave it any longer. We're going to have to start winning games and winning a lot of them very soon. You're ninth in the Premier League right now going into this. Is top six, is top four still a possibility in your eyes? Yeah, I think it's still a possibility. We're not really focusing on that currently. We're focusing on trying to get our best levels back. Uh, the Sunderland game would have certainly helped that. Um, now we've got two huge tests, Manchester City and Aston Villa, uh, off the back of our last league game, which was Liverpool. So um, a good, challenging uh, period of games, but one that we relish. I was Eddie Howe speaking to me uh, just a short time ago and thanks uh, to our friends at BetMGM for their involvement in that. Stuart Pearce, I notice you hanging on his every word there, Stuart. When, when he speaks, you, you tend to listen to Eddie because he addresses questions very, very well. Uh, he doesn't duck anything and he's well aware of the fact mm. that they've got to go some to get top six, let alone top four. No doubt about that, they have. Uh, but... The interesting thing for me, when he talked about trading players in, trading players out, it's a big part of what a manager does and what a football club does. And I was just thinking in my time, who who were probably the best two at trading out players at the right time? Wenger at Arsenal and Alex at Manchester United. They move players on just as they're getting just beyond their peak. But for different reasons. What Potentially what different what reasons. We're characterising this as, as Newcastle cannot continue to progress under the auspice of financial fair play, so they're going to have to sell their best players. Ferguson took players out when they became a problem in the dressing room, or he felt that they were running, they'd run their course. 
Yeah, but you look at... He's not having the same problem. Simon, you look at Wenger over miles left and uh, yeah. Petit left and various other players left and I was scratching me in and thought, what's he done that for? And I'll tell you what, he moved them at the right time. And that's just part and parcel but, but never of what financial, you do. But what we're, what we're character... And you're right, Stu, obviously I'm going to bow to your knowledge, but this is not the characterisation of this. This is basically saying Newcastle are going to have to move these players mm. out in order to maintain their status quo. Which is they're going to have to. This is when. Which isn't the case, really. It's which, not accurately which is, the case. Which is not what Ferguson did. No. Or what v Wenger did. It might be a bit more Wenger did because Wenger had to pay for the stadium or yeah, help pay yeah. for the stadium. So it might be an element of yeah. that there. So, so where where do you pitch Liverpool in with Coutinho leaving when he did? No, absolutely. I think so. Liverpool. Are, it Liverpool, Liverpool doom are, and gloom then. Liverpool, so I'm are not Liverpool. No, Liverpool are not Man United, and they're not Manchester City, and they're not Chelsea. So yeah. they've everything they've bought has been off the back of sales. They bought mm. Alisson and Virgil van Dijk with the Coutinho money. Yeah, yeah. So they were different. I, I know you went out on a limb to a degree, Stuart, and said you fancy Newcastle to win the Premier League. M many people went with you around that time. Are you thinking they'll be pushed to get top four? They might get top six, but top four push. Yeah, the football's been too inconsistent this year. Um, you know, one nine, lost nine. That, that's their record as they stand at the moment. Um, given the... the the comment in the summer, I that comment was based on what I saw in my own eyes. Newcastle United as as sort of an impregnable St James's Park, but certainly they've not hit the same heights and they've suffered injuries quite badly this year. I've got yeah. to say, with a lot of other teams, make yeah. no mistake, but they have as well. Is that the part of the modern day managerial brief, or Stuart, that when you get into a job and you get going in it, along the way, for whatever reason. X, Y, or Z may have mm. to get sold for you to progress to get to another place. If if I remember rightly, you mentioned that once to me about Sean Wright Phillips mm. when when you were at City. I, I think the key is, when I was Manchester City manager, I, I'd managed nine matches at the end of a season. Uh, I, I was acutely aware of the financial situation of the football club, as in it was bust, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. And... I think two weeks before the season started, the chief exec called me in and said, look, we've had an offer, £21 million. This was a Friday, by the way. £21 million <laughs> will be paid in cash on Monday morning from uh, for Sean Wright Phillips from Chelsea. And if you don't sell him, we'll go bust as a football club. Now, I knew before he, we had that conversation that if I, if I was put in this situation, the club come before me or the chief exec or anybody, the club has to still keep standing. Yeah. But the important thing for me was to get the message out of there of the expectation. Don't don't uh, buff it up with the, the, the supporters. Just say, look, this is where we're at at the moment. We have no money as a football club. We've had to sell Anelka six months ago. We sold Sean Wright Phillips. But the club has to remain standing and has to be a Premier League club. And the fans were made aware of it. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Stuart, Jaden Sancho, and there he is. In the back of the Times this morning, it's covered everywhere. And he's got Dortmund number 10, Sancho. He played there before, of course. And we know that. Sancho goes home to Dortmund. So, I mean, it's somewhat baffling. Jude Bellingham goes to Dortmund, improves no end, ends up at Real Madrid. Mm. Jaden Sancho comes out of Dortmund, goes to Manchester United, dream move, goes pear-shaped, comes back. Who's to blame? Who's to blame? I always think he's a player. I really do. Um, I've heard too many things coming out about uh, Sancho that, that I don't particularly like, lateness for training, all of those type of things. And 
listen, I've never met the kid, but if that is the case and the attitude to training isn't right and whatever, the managers are rarely, rarely wrong. If you know, we've heard you know Ten Hag come out and say certain things. Sancho denying those things are actually true from the train in regard to lateness, in regard to attitude on a training pitch. I always think it's rarely the manager gets it wrong. It's often the player because the manager's looking at the whole picture. The per- the individual just sees himself and the importance of him and what suits him. For me, it's always the player. Why does it keep happening though, Stuart? Simon, I, I, I'm getting to you in one second because I know you've got strident view in this. Why does it keep happening at Manchester United? Well, Pogba, Sanchez, Di Maria even. Now, Sancho, you could maybe add Anthony to that. Well, Anthony's come here and he's just not playing well. I don't think there's anything wrong with his attitude or anything like that. I just think that he's not had an impact in regard to scoring goals. Or, Well, maybe when you sign a player to come into this country, not all of them hit it off here. And some of them have to leave and and they don't hit the ground running for whatever reason. Listen, let's go back a couple of years when Ten Hag made the stance that he did with Ronaldo and everyone was patting him on the back for saying, look, the club are much bigger than the player, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he's made the right judgment call. Or when he left Rashford out for, for maybe being late for training, all of those type of things. I was one that applauded him and still do now for, for doing that. That's yeah. his job as a manager to do that. So I mean, the backstory to Sancho, Simon, if it's to be believed, is that lateness wasn't performing in training yeah. as, as he was expected to do. So Ten Hag calls time on him and flags it up yeah. in public yeah. that maybe he's got an attitude problem yeah. and he's not performing as he should in training. Sancho bites back yeah. in public, only one winner and it's not Sancho. Yeah. But he's come out of this with another another instalment in his career looking very, very positive for no, him. No, not really. I don't think anyone that is particularly impressed, Dortmund might be, because they've got this relationship with him historically and they're nicking him. They're getting him for a fraction of what these wages are. They've already trousered 70 million quid from Man United and they're getting him back for two and six and a fraction of his wages. The Dortmund have got no skin in this game. And so with that in mind, those that are looking around at football will look at it and say, well, I'm not quite sure about this player. And it's it's based upon two things. The, the, who's to blame for this? The culture that Man United have allowed to develop inside their football club that engenders players with a belief system they can behave the way that they are. The recruitment policy that's recruiting players that are clearly fit for purpose or have the understanding of what they should and shouldn't be doing playing for Man United. And the fact that Ten Hag is trying to change the direction of travel and is having to break some serious eggs to make an omelette. And the fourth thing is that every single microcosm of Man United is analysed within an inch of its life in every single newspaper, in every single media outlet around the world. Why do you think it's happening at, at United? Because I just on told a semi, you. But on a semi-regular basis. I just told you. Because of big-name players I, I just told not, you. not getting where they want to get to. I just told you. The absolute reasons I just told you. You're signing players that are big-name players on paper, that have big attitudes and big outlooks, that are not the right foot, foot, foot football club. Pogba was let go by Man United for a reason. Pogba came back to Man United. Look where he's gone now. Right? Look where Sanchez went. Look what Sanchez did. He did not choose Manchester United because it was a it was because it was Man United. He chose them because they offered more money than Manchester City. These are these are points that where you once upon a time you chose Man United because of the the fabric of this football club. You've allowed this culture to deteriorate. 
where you've got background noise from all these ex-players that are constantly having their two penneth in the, in the equation. Yeah. They know more about everything than actually the people that are running the football club. And some of them may well do from a historic point of view. Then you've got a situation where you put managers in place, and I do not care who thinks this is, a, this is an attack upon an individual, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where Stan is allowed to deteriorate. You've got Mourinho that dialed it in for a period of time. So all of these things then engender this environment where once upon a time, you knew where you stood. You knew what it meant to play for Man United and you knew what your responsibilities were and you knew that you dare not put out performances in front of the manager, let alone the Old Trafford crowd, that you were putting out now. And now you've got players that think completely differently because the, because the standards have dropped. So you recruit the wrong players, you put them inside the wrong culture, you get the wrong outlook. Then you get a manager coming going, that'll do. Yeah, that's enough of this now. I'm going to put a stop to it. And all of a sudden, that culture has seeped into the gene pool that exists inside the fabric of that football club. And now you're trying to eradicate a deep-seated disease. And you're going to have to have a battle with it. Rashford's not been right. Rashford's not a world-class footballer. He keeps getting put out there. Players that are world-class footballers don't have one good season, one bad, one good season, one bad. They're just good players, not world-class players. Is Rashford world-class, Stuart? Well, well, class is, is Mo Salah because Mo Salah continually he might have one bad game, two bad games, not score for a couple of games. Yeah, but continually yeah. he keeps churning out performances. Your one hundred percent essential download, outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back on Monday to bring you the best of the show. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.